Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Hello, beloved family. How are you? I'm fine, and I pray that you are as well. Uh, We're into the first full week of Lent, and I already have hiccups. Um, And I pray all is going well for you. Um, And again, as we said yesterday, if you have uh, not kept your Lenten resolutions, or you never started them, or you started and failed, don't worry. The only failure is to cease starting again. Every single day we start again. Every single day we start again, sometimes 10 times through the day. That's fine. God appreciates that. If you're teaching a child how to walk and he falls and he cries and he gives up, something would be wrong. And so he keeps trying, falls a hundred times, and one day he walks. Same with learning to ride a bike. It's given that we're going to fall. So don't let that worry you. Let that be an encouragement that you are on your way. Um, and uh, yesterday we read Mother Teresa's letter for the second time um, titled, I Thirst. And St. Alphonse Liguori um, also speaks of our Lord's, one of his seven last words on the cross, John chapter 19, I Thirst. But he speaks about what true contrition is. Um, uh, and some people are concerned about that. Um, uh, and so there's a wonderful article by him, uh, a sermon, Tr- Contrition and the Purpose of Amendment by St. Alphonse de Liguori. And it's really um, a sermon he put together on the return of the prodigal son. And it says, Contrition is a hearty sorrow for sin with the firm purpose to sin no more. Now I'm going to interrupt that to say, every time I go to confession, I have a firm purpose of amendment to sin no more. I don't take it lightly. But most of the things we confess, we fall again. We each have our areas of weakness. Do we have to fall again? No. But do we fall again in weakness? Most of us do. Uh, It doesn't mean we weren't sincere. But if we go to confession and we're not sincere, for example, if someone is living with someone outside of marriage, Um, and they go and confess that, and they go home to the same situation, their confession is not valid, their absolution is not valid. Even if the priest says, I absolve you, it's not valid. The firm purpose of amendment means that you've already, before you've gone to confession, arranged a place to live apart. Um, St. Alphonse says, this true sorrow for sin being the most important point in a good preparation for confession requires to be carefully considered and understood. So he says, number one, contrition is an essential condition of penance so that the priest can never absolve a sinner who gives no sign of true repentance. The absolution which a sinner receives who is not sincerely contrite is worthless and sacrilegious. Sacrilegious. Hold on. So again, the priest can say, I absolve you, 
but it's God who sees the heart. And if you're not sincere, it's worthless and actually sacrilegious. A confessor would commit a great sin against the holy sacrament of penance if he did not in every proper way assure himself of the contrition of the sinner. They are foolish and unjust, therefore, who complain when a wise confessor and one who fears God refuses them absolution because he can find in them no sign of true contrition. St. Gregory says, he who is not truly converted receives no benefit, even if he does confess his sins. Christians without number make fruitless confessions because they are not truly penitent. It is this want of contrition that makes the office of a priest so difficult. For it is not their duty merely to hear confessions and give absolution, but to do so according to the will of God. O God, what anxiety and distress do confessors suffer on account of so many sinners who with hearts all cold and indifferent enter the holy confessional to run over their sins in a careless manner as they would any other indifferent affair and whose whole conduct gives reason to suspect that they feel no sorrow for their sins. Beloved, if that is you, wouldn't you be shocked if the priest said to you, I cannot absolve you? You'd be shocked. But Father, I confess my sins. But if he senses no true contrition, no godly sorrow, he is um, not, he will be in sin if he absolves you. Um, Number two, true contrition, however be it well understood, is a supernatural virtue and must be grounded upon supernatural motives. In other words, it must spring from motives of faith awakened in the heart by consideration of the eternal truths of religion. To be sorry for our sins because they have brought us into shame, poverty, sickness, or any mere worldly misfortune is no true contrition and will not procure the pardon of our sins. Some persons, when they go to confession, appear more anxious to tell of their vexations and miseries than to accuse themselves of their sins. They do not desire so much to be pardoned as to be comforted in their misfortunes. On the contrary, true condition is a sorrow which comes from higher and holier motives. It is our faith that weeps for the misfortunes of the soul and the injury done to God. If the unhappy sinner sincerely desires the pardon of his sins, his contrition must be of this kind, for God will accept no other. The best and purest motive for contrition is the divine love, which makes us grieve for our sins and detest them because of their ingratitude and the injury done to a good and holy God. When this is the predominant motive, contrition is called perfect and is so excellent a disposition that according to the Council of Trent, the soul may be reconciled by it to God even before confession and the priestly absolution provided there is also an earnest desire for these. Imperfect contrition or attrition, is where the sinner is excited to sorrow 
and to the purpose of amendment by the consideration of the turpitude of his sins or from fear of hell or because he has forfeited the right to heaven. These motives, though less perfect than that first mentioned, are nevertheless good, for they are true impulses of the Holy Ghost and dispose one to receive the grace of pardon through the sacrament of penance. We must not, however, fall into the error of those who think that a feeble contrition is all they need, provided they confess their sins. True contrition, although it may be imperfect in its kind, is never feeble. It is true that the sincere penitent is often unconscious of any strong feeling of sorrow. For contrition does not properly consist in any feeling at all, but rather in the supernatural hatred and abhorrence of sin. Strictly speaking, however, a genuine contrition can never be feeble. Otherwise, it would not be sufficient to produce that firm and efficacious purpose of amendment, which is its natural and necessary fruit. It is therefore neither right nor safe to set narrow bounds to ourselves in this respect. But we should try to animate our souls more and more to a genuine, earnest, efficacious, and tender contrition. Our forgiveness becomes then easier and surer, and our reformation more complete and lasting. Number four. The firm purpose of amendment is the inseparable companion of true contrition, and therefore a necessary condition to the forgiveness of sin. God requires of the sinner a new spirit and a new life. Ezekiel says, When the wicked turneth himself away from his wickedness, which he hath wrought, and doeth judgment and justice, he shall save his soul alive. It is impossible for God to pardon the sinner who still retains the will to offend him. He must, so I'll just say that clearly again, beloved, if you're living in an intimate relationship outside of marriage, if you are living in any so-called union outside of marriage, um, you are in grave, grave sin, and no confession uh, will... uh, result in forgiveness for you unless you totally repent. And to to repent means to make a 180 degree turn, totally turn the other way. Not saying, I'm sorry for this, Father, I'm living with a man, and I'm sorry for it and I'm going to change. That's no good. Go change and then come to confession and confess your sins and your true repentance and your new life. St. Alphonse says, he must be resolved to offend God no more. That's what Our Lady of Fatima says, offend God no more. And this resolution must be no mere promise of the lips or momentary emotion, but a sincere, firm, and efficacious determination. There's the music for our first break, beloved. We'll continue this after the first break, and after the second break will be our half hour together for you to call in with anything on your heart or email the toll-free number 1-877-511-5483. 
One of the greatest things you could do during Lent, and this is hard, especially today, if it's possible to go to daily mass where you have a church close to you, you can do that, do it. Or if you can't make daily mass, just read the gospel of the day or the readings for the day and then use that in your mental prayer. Of course, the family rosary, and I mean the family rosary, crying together, I don't believe it's an option no more. You really want to save your souls, you want your children to save their souls, you better be praying a rosary. Now, Lady gives us the great promises that rosaries will end wars, will end famines. And it does, and it did. And so that means it will end the wars in your own families. It will end the wars in your marriages. And then the wars with you know, people that you work with and so on. So this is a beautiful thing, but to pray the rosary, and the rosary too, when you do it, to do it, you know, if you pray the rosary, you will become a saint. That's Sermons for Everyday Living from 6 to 7 a.m. Eastern on the Station of the Cross. Come to the St. Thomas More House of Prayer and discover the prayer that will change your life. The St. Thomas More House of Prayer is a Catholic retreat center dedicated to praying and promoting the Liturgy of the Hours, the prayer of the Church. The Liturgy of the Hours is prayed each day, starting with the Office of Readings at 5.30 a.m. and ending with Night Prayer at 8 o'clock p.m. So whether you're an individual or a group, schedule your visit today. Go to liturgyofthehours.org or call 814-676-1910. That's 814-676-1910. We would love to help you experience the Liturgy of the Hours and discover the prayer that will change your life. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. I'm live. I'm she. I'm thrilled to be with you because we missed a whole week together. We had to run on course. But here we are back, and um, as far as we know, we'll stay back. So I'm, I'm just thrilled. We're right in the middle of um, an article by St. Alphonse de Liguori on what true contrition is and the idea that um, it's not just to go to confession to list our sins, but to be sorry for them um, and to have a firm purpose of amendment to commit them no more. If we don't have a firm purpose of amendment to not return to that sin, we are not absolved no matter what the priest says. Um, God will not absolve us. Does that mean if we have a firm purpose of amendment, we'll never commit that sin again? That's our heart and intention, but normally we fall. That's okay. But at the time you confess, well, it's not okay, it's sin. But at the time we confess, we must have a firm purpose of amendment to never commit that sin again. I know people living together outside of marriage, and they confess their sin, but it means nothing. They can't be absolved because they continue to live in that relationship or a homosexual relationship. You, you can't. If you remain in that relationship, you cannot be forgiven. And you're in a very dangerous situation. If you die, you will wake up in hell if that is not resolved. 
you must um, you must repent and return to God like the prodigal son. St. Alphonse de Liguori continues, Can the purpose of amendment be called sincere in that man who says to God that he repents with his whole heart of having offended him, but who falls immediately into the same sins after receiving absolution? Or that man who runs again into the same occasions of sin, who does not avoid the persons who led him into sin before, who frequents the same places of temptation, who will not repair the injury he has done, who will not consent to be reconciled with his enemy, in fine, who does not even make an honest, practical beginning of a good life, nor take the necessary means of perseverance, who can doubt that the confession of such a man is a mere mockery of penance, who can believe that his absolution was of any value. What must you do then, my dear Christian, in order to excite in yourself this salutary sorrow for your sins and this firm purpose of amendment? In the first place, it is necessary to place before your mind and to meditate seriously upon those supernatural truths of our holy religion, which, as we have already said, furnish the only true motives of a genuine contrition and of an effectual and lasting conversion. Ezekiel says, Remember thy last end, and thou shalt never sin. But above all, it is necessary to pray, Yes, poor sinner, Pray earnestly to God for a true contrition. Pray for a firm and lasting resolution to sin no more. For those holy dispositions of heart are gifts of God, which a man cannot have of himself, but must seek it through prayer. It is necessary for you to know, my dear Christian, that contrition for your sins must always go before absolution. And therefore, As soon as you have examined and remembered your sins, you ought to repent of them immediately with the intention to receive the holy sacrament of penance. For if you should not have in your heart this sincere sorrow for your sins until after absolution, then both your confession and your absolution will be good for nothing. Do not be too anxious, lest your sins should not be forgiven by God, because you do not feel any contrition. As the good tree is known by its fruit, so will your true contrition be known by your improvement. Don't worry about your emotions, beloved. As the good tree is known by its fruit, so will your true contrition be known by your improvement. Therefore, it may be said for your consolation that you may confidently hope your repentance is true when you have actually changed your life and abandoned your sins. I tell you personally, beloved, there are sins I've committed, and I am, I'm angered by them, I'm disgusted by them, I'm, I just immediately uh, personally repent and change what I'm doing. And by the time I get to confession, I, I'm, I'm still repenting, but the fruit is there because I've already changed I've already repented, and I still repent. But don't wait till you get to confession to repent. 
or your repentance may not be sincere. As soon as we sin, we should fall on our knees before God and repent and still go to confession. Here's St. Alphonsus says, there are consideration to excite in our heart what is true contrition for our sins. Consider who he is, who God is, who Christ is, and how good and gracious he is to you, whom you have so often and so deeply offended by these sins. He made you, he made you for himself, to know, love, and serve him, and to be happy with him forever. He redeemed you by his blood, He has borne with you and waited for you so long. He it is who has called you and moved you to repentance. Why have you thus sinned against him? Why have you been so ungrateful? What more could he do for you? Oh, be ashamed and mourn and despise yourself because you have sinned against your maker and your redeemer, whom you ought to love above all things. Consider the consequences of even one mortal sin. By it, you lose the grace of God. You destroy peace of conscience. You forfeit the felicity of heaven for which you were created and redeemed. And you prepare for yourself eternal punishment. If we grieve for the loss of temporal and earthly things, how much more should we grieve for having deliberately exposed ourselves to the loss of those which are eternal and heavenly. Thirdly, consider how great is the love of God for you, if only from this, that he hath so long waited for you and spared you when he might have justly cast you into hell. Behold him fashioned to the cross for love of you. Behold him pouring forth his precious blood as a fountain to cleanse you from your sins. Hear him saying, I thirst. I thirst with an ardent desire for your salvation. Behold him stretching out his arms to embrace you and waiting until you should come to yourself and turn unto him and throw yourself before him and say, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee and I am no more worthy to be called thy son. Let these considerations touch your heart with love for him who so loves you, and love will beget true contrition, most acceptable to God. And the end of the article says to say in our Father, a Hail Mary and a glory be to obtain true contrition. We can't muster these things up, beloved. True contrition comes from God, and it comes from a heart that is simply sorry. Sometimes if you sin, when I sin, and I say, Lord, I'm sinning against you who have done so much for me, who died for me, who brought me from death to life, and I'm not very repentant. I'm repentant. I don't want to do it again, but I don't feel sorrow. And I ask him to uh, pierce my heart with sorrow to show me how much I wounded him and how much I've caused him to suffer by my sins. Beloved, don't let this Lent pass. Don't let this Lent pass by without truly going to confession with godly sorrow. Make sure um, 
uh, make sure that's uh, just words, uh, have a firm purpose of amendment to truly keep this Lent. If you failed or you haven't started, do it. Do it. We need to pray. We need to give alms. And we need to um, uh, pray, give alms, and fast. Sorry. Pray, give alms, and fast. You need to fast in giving up something that is... um, uh, very important to you. It could be coffee, it could be sugar, it could be co- uh, chocolate, it could be some kind of food. But it could also be fasting from laziness. Um, hold on a minute now. Okay. Isaiah tells us what true fasting is. He says, shout it aloud, do not hold back, raise your voice like a trumpet, declare to my people their rebellion, and to the descendants of Jacob their sins. For day after day they seek me out, they seem eager to know my ways, as if they were a nation that does not, that does what is right, and has not forsaken the commands of his God. They ask me for just decisions, and seem eager for God to come near them. Why have we fasted, they say? And you have not seen it. Why have we humbled ourselves? And you have not noticed. Yet God says, on the day of your fasting, you do as you please, and you exploit all your workers. Your fasting ends in quarreling and strife, and in striking each other with wicked wicked fists. You cannot fast as you do today, and expect your voice to be heard on high. Is this the kind of fast I have chosen? Only a day for people to humble themselves? Is it, the, is it only for bowing one's head like a reed and for lying in sackcloth and ashes? Is that what you call a fast? A day acceptable to the Lord? Isaiah says, God says through Isaiah, is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen? Listen now, this is the kind of fasting God has chosen. To loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free, and break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry, and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter, when you see the naked to clothe them, and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood? Then your light will break forth like the dawn, and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you, and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call, and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help, and he will say, Here am I. There's the music, beloved, for our second break. When we come back, I'm going to continue the end of Isaiah 58 because it tells us how to truly fast. And we will take your calls and your emails with whatever is on your heart. The toll-free number is 1-877-511-5483 or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We'll be right back.
Here at the Station of the Cross, we proudly bring the truths of the Catholic faith to countless listeners through radio and mobile devices, and we're grateful for the feedback we've received. I discovered the Station of the Cross rather providentially a year ago. I've been a loyal listener ever since. I can't overestimate the value of the station, what it's made a difference in my life in terms of making me better informed Catholic, has enriched my faith, consoled me during tough times, and made me laugh on several occasions. I commend the important work of this great apostolate. I'm a stay-at-home mom. I listen to the radio, and if I can listen to something that brings me closer to God, closer to Jesus Christ, then it's the most beautiful thing. If you've been blessed by listening to the Station of the Cross, let us know. Call 1-877-888-6279, extension 112, then share your testimonial with us. The Station of the Cross began broadcasting in Buffalo, New York in 1999. Since then, our listening areas have multiplied and expanded into several states. While our mission is to grow the Catholic faith through radio and other media outlets, our apostolate is supportive of but independent from your local diocese. Through your generosity, we are able to inspire countless listeners with the gospel and help lead them to a parish to be spiritually nourished by the sacraments. Station of the Cross has many ways to keep you informed about our programming. You can view the highlights of our primetime programming schedule or the full 24-7 programming grid at both thestationofthecross.com or the free iCatholic Radio app. Just search under the programming tab. Our website also offers a printable version for your convenience. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. This is our half hour together. I love this half hour. Our lines are wide open. You're welcome to call in with anything whatsoever on your heart. Toll free 1-877-5483 or email at mother at the station of the cross.com. Just before the break, we were reading Isaiah chapter 58 on the true, uh, on what is true fasting. And these are God's words through Isaiah. And I'm going to continue with verse 10. God says, If you do away with the yoke of oppression, with the pointing finger and malicious talk, and if you spend yourselves in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness, and your night will become like noonday. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame." You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and will raise up the age-old foundations. You will be called repairer of broken walls, restorer of streets and dwellings. These are God's words to Israel, beloved, and Israel has failed over and over miserably in, in following God like this, and they are at present. But it's also... 
uh, for us individually. Verse 13 says, If you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath and from doing as you please on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight and the Lord's holy day honorable, and if you honor it by not going your own way and not doing as you please or speaking idle words, then you will find your joy in the Lord. And I will cause you to ride in triumph on the heights of the land and to feast on the inheritance of your father Jacob, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. How I wish that the nation Israel would read that today to get their soul back. How I wish. Okay, beloved. We are now going to our calls and emails, and you're welcome. Our lines are open. I don't see anyone calling in just yet, so it's totally free. Uh, Toll-free 1-877-511-5483, or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. I'm going to read an email from Andrew, which I promised to start with first today. We only got halfway through it yesterday. Andrew says, hi, mother. In standing by the holy faith, I've been dealing with a massive amount of backlash from my entire social circle. For example, my high-ranking bagpipe band knows that I'm a devout Catholic, but they try to silence my comments when I address sinful activity and view me as some lunatic due to my devoutness. Just recently, three of those friends in the band wanted to take me to a very awful sinful club that entertains the flesh and i firmly told them no they kept insisting and i explained that not a single soul should go anywhere near the devil's playground a few other members along with them were laughing at the situation and were just about mocking my responses when they spoke about one of their friends attending a gay supporting mainline protestant church i said that god's mercy and light must be shown for their conversion from heresy One friend belligerently said that calling one's deeply sincere religious beliefs heresy is insulting and disrespectful. He hasn't read the scripture in Proverbs that said there's a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. That was my uh, little insertion. He said, I am free to believe in whatever, but to label one's deep beliefs as heresy, false or inconsistent, Um, with the Catholic faith is unacceptable according to him. At another time, someone took the Lord's name in vain and I attempted to lecture the person that no one dares to disrespect the name of Christ and another piper in the band interjected, no, let him say what he wants to say, interrupting every single time I try to voice my thoughts. They tell me that when I am at rehearsal or at Highland Games, I'm only allowed to speak about band topics, not according to to their worldly thinking, religious or po- religion or politics. There's so much I want to say, Andrew, but I started yesterday and never got through your email, so I'll continue it today. Similarly, a few years ago, I was playing on an ice hockey team with a close friend, and the coach and players all took the Lord's name in vain. As I tried to correct all of them, my friend would act very aggressively and almost violently to keep me silent. Because hockey is a full-contact sport like football, where aggressive play is the norm, I would receive threats from that friend that the next time we played, he would use aggressive plays to take his advantage, really in the context that he wanted to inflict harm. When I confronted him, his reasoning was the same as the pipe bands, no politics or religion. 
My family says that even though they do not agree with certain lifestyles and choices, it is not their place, nor is mine to judge. Your family's wrong. Uh, we cannot judge motives, but we must judge act- actions. They say that I am in the wrong for speaking about religion or politics. No, you're not. When I, all I am doing is standing up for the church and our Lord. Even my therapist always says, Andrew, those are your beliefs. You need to find a new therapist, Andrew. If that's the response of your therapist, quit him and find someone with a heart of faith. He says, I simply cannot respect or tolerate what is disrespectful, irreverent, and displeasing to God. Well, you shouldn't. You shouldn't. And I I say again, find another therapist. Shame on him or her. Andrew says, "I'm, I'm in agonizing pain for how our society falls in love with the concept of no politics or religion, because all I see is everyone defending sin. God sees as you do, Andrew. My question is, how can I, as a Catholic man, make God and the unchanging truth known in a dark world with compassion and mercy, and yet extremely firm in intense suffering? Thank you for reading. God bless you always in Christ, Andrew. Andrew, I am with you a thousand percent in every single one of your responses in your heart. But if you live that way and attack uh, a pagan world um, with your truth, with your truth. But if you approach them that way, they will all mock you, they will turn from you, and they will blaspheme our God. What did Jesus do? He came from heaven and became one of us to bring us to God. You don't need to become one of them in going to nightclubs and engaging in all this sinful stuff. But to come alongside them and love them and um, and not lecture them um, because it won't help them. They, as far as they're concerned, you are a weirdo, and you're religious, and you're a fanatic, and they're not interested in your kind of religion. Or at least, if they know you're right, uh, their conscience doesn't want to confess that. They don't want to come and bow before God. They like their sin. So what do you do? You do what God did. He came among us, was born among us, became one of us, not a sinner, was tempted in all points, yet without sin. Um and um, he, what did he say to the women, woman caught in adultery? They brought her and threw her out on the ground because she was caught in adultery. And all the Pharisees and the lawmakers and the scribes and everyone was all around her. What did Jesus say? He, what did he say to her? Get out of here, you disgusting creature. Repent from your sin. Put clothes on. Don't do that anymore. He doesn't say that, did he? What did he say? He looked up the crowd and he said, whoever's without sin, cast the first stone. Why? Because they shouldn't judge her? Yeah, they they should judge her for her lifestyle. It's sinful. But to judge her with arrogance as if they are pure and she's the sinner is crazy. And what did they do? Who picked up the first stone? They all dropped their stones and walked away. And then Jesus said to her, Who is there to condemn you? After they all walked away, who is there to condemn you? And she said, no one, Lord. And he said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. You see, she knew she deserved condemnation. She knows she deserved hell. What she received instead was not blindness of her sin, but mercy because of love, because of a Savior 
who was willing to, not just willing to forgive sin, but who died in our place, that we, the sinner, can go free. And of course, she sinned no more. And Mary Magdalene spent 30 years atop a mountain in the south of France um, in penance for her life and was fed the Eucharist by the angels. I was there. That's what we need to do. We need to love the sinner. We hate the sin, but we love the sinner. And if they want to bring you to a nightclub where it's just a fleshly orgy, and you could say, no, thank you for inviting me. But don't tell them to not go into the devil's playground. You can tell them that. One day, if God breathes into the repentance, they'll remember you said that, and they'll know you were, you were true, and maybe you cared for them. But um, just say no, thank you. And if they insist on it, say, you know, you know I'm Catholic, and it's not what true Catholics do, because it offends God, and I don't want to offend God. You see? Keep it on you. Don't put it on them. Keep it on you. I, well, I call you a weirdy and a lunatic and say, well, so be it. But I do love God and I don't want to offend him. And, and that does. And let it go. Don't tell them they're offending God. You've given them the message that they are. Okay, so um, the same with your family. Um, even your, your therapist, she says, Andrew, or, um, or he says, Andrew, those are your beliefs. I'd say to the therapist, you're right, they're my beliefs, but every word of what I believe is what I believe God said through the scriptures and the church he founded. You see? You're giving out the gospel. Um, you're not fighting. Well, not just my beliefs, it's what God says. You know? You're not fighting. Um, I started yesterday to tell you the story of my being a waitress in a raunchy um, diner in a very rough part of uh, upstate New York where the um, owner of the video shop across the street had been killed the week before I went to work there. And I loved it. I just loved it. I was a jail chaplain for 10 years. And the waitresses were out of jail and always on drugs. I felt like I was home. I loved it. And so their language, they were in their 20s, and oh, their language was, it, they said, Jesus Christ, as a curse word, every sentence, Jesus Christ, every sentence. And so I was there the first two weeks, and I, I thought, what am I going to do? What am I going to well, I was a waitress because I was an evangelical Protestant looking into the Catholic Church, and I took a waitress job, so I didn't have to involve myself in a con- company, and I could have money to pay rent. And I said, what am I going to do? Their language is amazing. So I, I thought about it for two weeks, and then one of them said, again, Jesus. And I shouted, oh, I love him. And they said, What? I said, I love him. They said, Rosalind, my name. You love who? I said, Jesus Christ. They said, what are you talking about? I said, well, you said his name. They said, no, I, oh, 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 no. I mean, I didn't mean that. I mean, are you, are you did I offend you? I said, no, you didn't offend me. I love that name. I, are you one of those rich, religious fanatics? I said, well, I love God. I don't know if I'm a fanatic or not, but I love him. Well, I'm sorry. I said, please don't be sorry. Say his name as often as you want. I love. Well, every time any one of those waitresses said the name of Jesus Christ, I shouted. And one day it was a two-part diner, the dining room and the um, the fountain with the booths. And I was in the dining room, taking care of it, serving at lunch. And one of the waitresses was in the other part. And I heard her say, 
the name. And I shouted across the restroom, the restaurant, rather, I love him. Well, no one ever said his name again. No one ever said his name again. And a couple of those waitresses wound up giving their lives to Christ. I never shouted at them. I only loved them. I always spoke truth. But it was my religion, and I love him. And Roz, how come you don't get upset? How come you don't get angry? How come you don't curse? I said, well, Jesus is with me, and I'm happy. You know, I just keep it on me. And, um, and the place was a bit transformed, and I, I, I bless God for that. Um, okay, there's the music uh, before our last um, uh, segment. And we have Anthony on the line. Um, and we'll be right back to you, Anthony, if you could hold on until after the break. Uh, there's also time for you to call in, one 511 We'll be right back. Hello, beloved. This is Mother Miriam. How would you like to wake up each morning to inspiring sermons from knowledgeable and faith-filled priests? You can tune in to Sermons for Everyday Living every day at 6 a.m. Eastern on the Station of the Cross. You can listen on thestationofthecross.com or anytime on the free iCatholic Radio mobile app. God bless you. Please join us in a prayer to St. Anthony of Padua. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O dear protector, St. Anthony, on this day we direct our fervent prayer to you, asking you to hear us and to intercede for us. We are parents who ask for peace in our families, our worthy occupations, and our daily bread. We are children who ask for divine assistance and protection in the hope of a successful and happy future. We are the needy poor, the afflicted, and sinners who come to you for help and grace. Therefore, speak on our behalf to that child whom you hold in your arms, and we are sure of being heard. Amen. sermon you need to share with a loved one? Maybe there's a guest, prayer, or teaching segment that deserves another listen. You can listen to any of our network-produced programs at your convenience by finding us wherever you enjoy podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Podbean, and the free iCatholic Radio app. Be uplifted in your faith. Listen today at thestationofthecross.com or on your favorite podcasting platform. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. This is our last segment. We have 10 minutes and our lines are open. There's still time. We have Anthony on the line, but still time for you to call in. If you wish, toll free, 1-877-511-5483 or email at mother at the station of the cross.com. Anthony, hi. Hi, Mother Miriam. Hi, Father Mike. 
Good afternoon, Reverend Mother. How are you Hi. today? Fine. Where are you from, Anthony? From Florida, not far away. Okay, not far away at all. <laughs> not far, I'm sorry, not far away from Naples, where I met you personally, Mother. Oh, my goodness. Okay, well, I wish I could see your face so I'd know who you were. That's all right. Um, I got a picture of you here. I could see your face that I took okay. with you in Naples at that gala. But um, anyway, okay. um, I'm glad you took my call. Thank you. All nice. right, I'll try to I'll be brief. I know you're um, in Florida, but you sure, sure sound like a New Yorker. Of course. You said the same thing to me. You asked me I, when I met fine. you. You said, where, where are you from, Brooklyn yeah. or, or the Bronx? And I said, right. no, Father, from, um, from Connecticut, Mother. From Connecticut. Anyway, okay. I think I remember that. Strong support of your, of your, of your uh, channel because I, I love you and the work you do. Thank you, Anthony. So I have a family member, 62-year-old male, divorced. I used to babysit for him. And, um, and he's... Um, he might not make it. He's pretty sick right now. So I've been talking to him and texting him. I don't think he's received the sacraments in a long time. Uh, it was a tough divorce. I won't go into that. So anyway, I've been pretty strong with him on the calls and the text, telling me he has to see a priest. He, I begged him to do it. He said he was going to do it. And I said, you should get to church if you can. If you can't find a priest, I'll have one come to your house. And I could do that because I know a lot of them back home. So, mm. and he's sort of a procrastinator. I've known him since he was a child, and uh, he, he says that um, Anthony, I pray. I said, I'm sure you do. And he said, I think God's got a plan for me. I said, I think I'm your plan for him. That's the last thing I left with him. I haven't heard back from him. Uh, that was I only days ago. this is very serious, like you're saying. I don't know how I don't know how strong to be, Mother. That's my whole question. I don't yeah. know where I, I go with that. Be. How strong? I think I think you should be, and I think you should say, you know, God does have a plan for you, and the plan is heaven, and it's a free gift unless you refuse it, and unless you see a priest and repent of your sins and confess your sins and are forgiven, you will not be in heaven. And you will be out of God's plan, which is hell. And it will be your choosing, Anthony. I would be very clear with him. Speak not angrily, but clearly. Uh, Anthony, God has a plan for you and for all of us to be in heaven, which is why he died on the cross. But your prayer won't get you there because your sin has separated you from him. He waits to forgive you, but he will not do it apart from your true confession with a priest. And... If you refuse or continue to procrastinate, you don't know how long, you don't know that you'll wake up tomorrow. You need to see a priest and repent of your sins if you want to go to heaven. If you don't care about it, stay the way you are, and you will be in hell, Anthony. He says, well, God is a good God. Of course he's a good God, which is why he died on the cross for you. Heaven is a gift. You can't be good enough for it. You can't earn it. Jesus earned it for us, but you can refuse a gift. And if you refuse the gift, you will wind up in hell because that's what we all deserve. Heaven, we don't deserve. It's a gift. And I would say to him, Anthony, you know, I've loved you since you're a baby. I've taken care of you. I love you now. I know you're in a mess. I know your life has been full of sin and all of that. But God came to save us from sin. And there's no sin greater than his mercy. And there's no sin a priest has not already heard. And since you procrastinate, Anthony, if you give me the permission, I will call a priest and make an appointment and have him come to your house. Will you accept that? 
I lost you. No, that's good. That's good, Mother. That's okay. good. All right. I, I, I will be that strong. I've been pretty strong, and he keeps coming back, sending a text. I, I told him if I'm too intense for you, I apologize. I, I didn't even say I apologize. I said that's, that's really the way it is. So I will go that strong. I didn't want to sort of depress him more than he is, but I think it's, it's his soul's involved. So I will, I will do that, Mother. That's do great it. advice. Say, Anthony, I, I, I hate to be so strong with you, but heaven is more depressing. I mean, hell. And and I'm af- I love you and I'm afraid for you. I don't want you going to hell. Um, and there's only one way out, and that is if you return to God and let a priest and confess your sins, let him absolve you and bring you back into the church before you die. You may have a day left. You may have 20 years left. But if you die without repentance, you will spend all of eternity in hell. All right. Beautiful. All right. I will do that. And I'm sure if he tells some of the family they won't talk to me again, I could... Oh. Uh, let them not talk to you. His soul is what matters. I, oh, I don't care. It doesn't matter, Mother. No, that's I my... Um, I'm on the right path, I hope. Well, and you might have to say similar things to them if they're not going to talk to you. You're not going to talk to me because I got your your loved one into heaven? Is that why you won't talk to me? If I keep quiet and therefore he goes to hell, then you'll talk to me? No. <laughs> Thank you, Mother. Okay. Incredible advice. Yeah, God Thank bless you so you. much, Mother. God bless you, and I hope to yeah. see you again one day. I hope so, too, Anthony. God bless you. We have an email from uh, someone else who is called Anthony who says, sometimes I wake up fearful. Have you ever been attacked by fear? How did you deliver yourself from this? In my case, it's not a tremble away from our Lord, but rather a worldly fear. Well, I do have quite a story of an earthly fear that I was rid of. Um, You know, if I fear anything earthly, I examine my conscience to see if I'm more afraid of people, what people think, or failure, or afraid of anything but loving God. And if I can get my thoughts straightened out, and I realize it's a worldly fear that uh, matters not, it might even be the devil's temptation, it might be the weakness or pride of my flesh, but I, I have to let it go because my function my focus is wrong. However, if we're attacked by fear, that's a little different and stronger. And I'll, I'll reveal, this, reveal this to you over the air. Um, I don't know if it'll help you or not, Anthony, but years ago when this uh, current community, Daughters of Mary, Mother of Israel's Hope, I was still in St. Louis. It was just starting. And um, I'm... Um, I'm very, uh, how do I say, I ran two companies in New York, and I'm people, the sisters, when they entered at that time, told me I'm more of a sergeant than a mother, and I said, you got that right. You know, hopefully now I'm more of a mother than a sergeant, because I formed the sisters, but they also formed me. Um, But at that time, very controlling and very judgmental, um, and very critical, and so uh, the sisters would leave, and they just couldn't take it. We love you, but we 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 don't want to be criticized and all that. So I was speaking to a priest once, and I said to him, I know I can destroy this, but I don't know that I can build it. I want to build it, but I the only confidence I have is that I can destroy it because I'm critical and judgmental and um, controlling and all of that. 
and he spoke to me about love. And I said to him, I know I can love, because at that time I was doing one hour on Catholic Answers of Radio a Week or and, and another station. So I said, I know I can love because I do it for one hour. And he said to me, your problem is that you're goal-oriented. I said, what's wrong with that? He said, because it's the present that matters, not the end. He said, if you love in the present moment, no matter the circumstances, it won't, nothing will bother you. The fear, anyway, while I was on the phone with him, realizing that whatever the present circumstance was, I could love a person right now in the present moment and leave the rest to God. And I actually felt fear physically leave me. It's an amazing thing. Uh, Anthony, we could talk more about this next program if you wish to write in again. God bless all of you. And um, God willing, see you tomorrow. God bless you.